You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, we give you thanks and praise that we have the opportunity to receive your word, to be encouraged and look expectantly for your breaking in and the coming of your kingdom. Teach us your will and your ways and help us to receive this great gift now through your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is the Sunday of joy. It's Gaudete Sunday. Uh, the, the pink candle marks a turning point in the Advent se- the four-week Advent season. Um, and uh, where it was, you got to remember, this was traditionally a period of fasting, so you would have been giving up some foods and stuff like that. And this is a chance to remember that this is, we're headed towards something joyful. But the readings don't necessarily communicate that really clearly up front. I mean, John the Baptist is in prison awaiting beheading. And in Isaiah, the people of Israel had been carried away into exile by the Babylonians. So where is the joy? The joy is found in the encouragement we get in the midst of difficulty and darkness. I want to start with the prophet Isaiah here. If you don't know the story... The Babylonians come in and trounce the Israelites and after they beat them, they carry off the greatest of their families into exile in Babylon. This is where you get the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel and all these things going on. They carried off the cream of their crop so that there would be no leaders left among the Israelites to cause a rebellion against the Babylonian Empire. Now, by the time Isaiah is preaching this bit of his message, they have been in exile for decades. And there's no end in sight. And God sends the word through his prophet Isaiah to encourage them. Strengthen up those whose knees are knocking. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Fear not. Be strong. Now this is not because they've done anything especially good. In fact, they ended up in exile. God let them be trounced because of their sins. (laughs) But it wasn't to last forever. Not because they were good, but because God is good. And this was being used to correct them. Now God says, Say to the anxious of heart, Be strong and fear not. Now, one of my professors at seminary was uh, a psychologist as well as um, a theologian. And a couple of years back, we had a church going through an anxious time, and I brought him in as a consultant, and he was meeting with the church leadership, and he said, you know, there's a difference. You have to learn the difference between anxiety and fear. And he said, anxiety works like this. So fear works like this. There's a bear! Run! Fear will keep you alive. 
<laughs> in a dangerous situation. Fear of the right thing is a healthy response. But anxiety is related to fear, but it works like this. Imagine there's a closed door here, and I'm afraid that on the other side of that door is a bear. Now, I have no evidence there's a bear. What I have is a suspicion. But you know what? My brain will tell my body to react just as though there's a bear there. And my flight or fight response will kick in. My heart will go... And I'll be ready to roll. But I'm likely to make stupid choices because I'm being driven by my fear and there may not be anything to be afraid of. That's what anxiety looks like. And God is saying to this anxious people, don't worry. I'm still in charge. After he says, be strong and fear not, he says, your God is coming with vengeance, with recompense. He will save you. It's the strength of God that they are to trust, not the perfection of their repentance, not their goodness in exile, but the mercy and strength of God. Because you see, God's strength, God's mercy is no good without his strength. Mercy without strength is just weakness. Mercy with strength is the ability to bring the salvation one promises. And God, in fact, does bring that salvation to the people of Israel. He brings in Cyrus from Persia to trounce the Babylonians. And Cyrus lets the people go home and rebuild the temple and rebuild Israel. That's Ezra and Nehemiah, if you want to read those stories. Now, God proved himself strong enough to allow his errant children to be corrected and strong enough to rescue them out of their difficulty. Their anxiety was misplaced. But John the Baptist, when we get to our gospel reading today, is dealing with a little bit more than anxiety. His anxiety is transitioned into fear. Because he's in prison, and he has stuck his finger in the queen's eye. And he is going to get executed. He knows it's probably just a matter of time. And he has gone out and done what he did out of great integrity to God's message. He has preached the word that so offended the queen. He has brought many people towards the kingdom. He has prepared the way for the Messiah. But as Samuel Johnson once noted, the prospect of being hung in the morning has a wonderful way of clarifying the mind. It gets rid of all the debris and all the extra stuff and lets you focus. And John wants to know, has he run his race in vain? Has he bet on the right horse? Has he proclaimed the right Messiah when he baptized Jesus in the River Jordan? And Jesus quotes this passage from Isaiah from 700 years before. And he's, when John sends his, his servants to go and, and ask Jesus this message, he, he says to them, tell John what you've seen. Now at this point in the gospel, if you're reading along, you've just come off a series of eight miracles in a row. 
where the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the dead are raised. And not the rich and the mighty are told that they're going to be victorious, but the humble and the meek and those who have no voice and no hope in the world. And Jesus says to them, just go tell them what you've seen. And as he lists off these different things, he's reminding them that the word God sent through the prophet Isaiah was proved true and God rescued them and that in the end, John would be saved too. As it turns out, not from execution, but saved from eternal separation with God because the salvation that this Messiah came to give was not from the Romans. It was from the more ancient enemies of sin, death, and the devil that have beleaguered the human race from the beginning of time. His fear, his fear is not stronger than God because the thing that attacks John is not stronger than God. God's strength is what is at issue in these readings. And um, my professor's analogy of uh, anxiety being the difference between having suspicion of there being a bear and an actual bear um, gave me the perfect sermon example for, for today, a perfect story. Um, I got to actually know this story from the guy who lived it. He was a shut-in of mine at a previous congregation. Some of you may know him. Uh, he was kind of famous in the area. He was a professor at East Stroudsburg University. His name was Fred Beaver. Fred passed away about two years ago. But do you remember? Have you ever seen the beer commercial, The Most Interesting Man in the World? That was Fred. Fred was the guy John Wayne pretended to be in the movies. One time he was riding a horse downhill, like down a gravel embankment. He saw Corey, he grabs the rifle off the back of the thing, and as he's controlling the horse going downhill, takes his shot and takes, a, takes his buck. He once took a caribou at 400 yards with steel sights. Steel sights. He was an insanely good shot, and he had all kind of crazy adventures. Amazing guy. You go to his home, and his home was like a museum of the adventures he'd had in his life. One of the adventures he had happened to him right after he returned from the Korean War. He went to work for the Department of the Census, the Census Bureau, and um, he, one of his jobs was to count the natives, the locals. Well, they didn't trust the government, so every time you went to their village, different people were missing. So you had to visit the same village multiple times, get to know the people so you could get an accurate count. So he was always flying into and out of the interior of Alaska. Well, one time they were flying into the interior and they got engine troubles and the plane crashed in the middle of grizzly country. The pilot managed to pull off a good enough crash landing that they both walked away. But they both walked away with about two days provisions and a simple 30-odd-6 hunting rifle. Now, the thing you need to know about a 30 odd 6 hunting rifle is the size of the bullet. Um, in grizzly country, that is about useless. Okay? Um, they would find dead grizzly bears that had died from gunshot wounds, but these were, the locals carried 44 magnums. 
That's Dirty Harry's handgun, folks. And they would find the, the bear dead with several bullets in his brain because they would wait till the bear was close and they would shoot it in the mouth multiple times. And the bear would die four or five days later. But he got them first. <laughs> so they just, they're, they're tracking their way back towards where they think the last settlement they remember flying over was. And after about a half a day's journey, they look back and about three miles back on the trail, they see a giant bear. Let's move a little faster. And that's what they did. After about an hour, they noticed the distance had closed to about two miles. And the pilot looked at Fred and said, I think this thing's tracking us. When the distance had narrowed to a mile, they were certain they were being tracked. And as they trudged on, knowing they would not make it to civilization before they had to face the bear, the pilot looked at Fred and said, can you take the shot? Because I can't. If I remember the story correctly, they were able to get nine rounds in the rifle. When the bear got to 100 yards, it charged. Grizzly bears charge at 30 miles an hour. And Fred raised the rifle to his shoulder and went bang, bang, bang. Eight shots. At 11 yards, the bear rose up on his hind legs like this. He took one final shot and the bear went over backward. The guy with him says, I can't believe you did that. Fred said, I can't believe it either. And when he went to get a cigarette out of his breast pocket, his cigarette flew all over the place because his hands were shaking so bad. After they made it back safely to civilization, they went back for the bear carcass. If you went to visit Fred, the hide was hanging over um, part of his thing, and the bear head was on the wall. It was a 1,500-pound Kodiak, and the head was this wide across. They were being tracked. They were being hunted. And we have all been tracked and hunted by the power of death. God's enemies hate God, but they can't get at God, so they get at us. But like my friend Fred, God has the skills to save us. He has the power and the strength to save us. That's what Jesus was reassuring John of. It's what he's reassuring us of. As we come closer and closer to Christmas, as we prepare for his coming in humility, we remember that that humility cloaks a strength that called the universe into being that can calm the storms and the seas of the word and that can rise beyond the power of death. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we thank you that you have set your power at our service. That you came not to be served, but to serve in the person of Jesus Christ. And we ask for your blessing upon us 
Grant us the patience that is so hard for us. Grant us to trust in your salvation and in your strength. Help us to ever keep our eyes upon the horizon and our feet upon that path of holiness that your prophet Isaiah spoke of. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence, my life.